Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Geek Rant, episode 331. Goodbye, silence, my old friend. Recorded July 15th, 2018, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. Element OP. Dot com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Drive Time Radio for Geeks. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel. And joining me this week from different continents, that's how stalwart they are. Your co-hosts, Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson, and Miles, the Aussie Air Wakeham. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Mark, and welcome back to the fellow opiate heads. Woohoo! <laughs> G'day. <laughs> so, Miles, uh, I've been doing this podcasting thing for a few years now, and I have interviewed people... Um, in Australia a few times before, but there is no discernible lag. We are literally going to the other side of the planet with no discernible lag. What a, what a wonderful thing we have here in this whole interwebs. It, it gets better and better. Um, we, we have this thing back at home in Phoenix called a Tableau, which is a little, you know, DVR box thing that you can get your uh, over-the-air TV on and then watch it on your set-top to boxes and so on. And I discovered this little feature, and what it does is it allows you to do remote uh, viewing of your live TV in the States. If you, uh, it's a bit complicated, but anyway, you can, you can get a little Android TV box. So I got one of these Xiaomi Mi boxes. They're these $80 jobs you get from Walmart, and it runs Android TV, and I installed the Tableau software on it. And I carry that thing everywhere I go, and all I need is an HDMI cord, plug it into a TV, and it picks up Wi-Fi. And I, as a test, I plugged it into my sister-in-law's TV here in Australia, and I'm literally watching live TV from my antenna in Phoenix in real time. No lag, no buffering, no stutter. It's perfect. You know, Aereo tried to do that and got sued out of existence. Uh, so just don't let anybody know you're actually doing that. So, Mark, if you if you buy an, uh, an HD antenna for my house and that box, I can hook it up and you can watch the Cowboys. And that, that would actually be uh, perfectly legal because I would own a device. I would have to own the device. I couldn't use yours. But if I right. purchased a device, shipped it to you, you hooked it up to a $30 antenna, and, and I tapped into it over the internet, that would be perfectly legal. However, when Aereo sold me an antenna in another city i actually paid rent for a one inch by one inch square on the rooftop in in dallas that was illegal i don't know why one's legal and one isn't but that's just the way it is because they got somebody paid them money to crush aereo and (laughs) nobody's paid money to crush this yet so yeah i mean my tivo could do that Uh, i i could uh if i were away you know uh, in australia i could watch my tivo over the air um but you know i just can't rent a space somewhere i have to apparently own the space what but if i rented my apartment yeah anyway let's let's not move on to that so tonight we have uh officially no topic because there was a bit of a miscommunication um and so we're going to uh i'm going to spring a topic on these guys a little later on i think it'll be a good discussion but first we have to get the uh, regular um uh, pop culture stuff out of the way i'm going to echo uh seth's review of pacific rim uprising i watched it yesterday it was a fine movie but when you watch a sequel about uh, to a movie about giant robots fighting giant lizards you expect gianter robots fighting gianter lizards and that's in there but it's almost an afterthought in the movie and you know not bad bad somewhat disappointing yeah all of the stuff you liked least about the original movie and they made a sequel about that Right. Um, John Boyega does a great job, but uh, Charlie Hunnam was better. 
that's all that I, and I've watched one episode of glow season two. I talked about it, uh, earlier season one, um, only one episode, uh, nobody got naked. So that's an improvement. Um, or, or, a. a disimprovement whatever depending on how you look at that but in the first one within like the first 30 seconds on screen there were boobs this one there was an entire episode with no nudity so uh, maybe they're going in a whole new direction yeah because that's the reason everybody tuned in to glow was for the highbrow cultural right. commentary yeah, hoping so. for a wardrobe <laughs> malfunction before uh, whatever that person's name is i just lost her name so uh, so, Seth, I, I don't want to steal your thunder, but uh, I, I saw you make some social media posts that involved a job. Are you actually among the ranks of the employed again? Yeah, although, you know, like, okay, I went from my normal schedule was I would get up about 10 or 1030 and go to sleep about three. And now my new job requires me to wake up at 430 so I can be at work at seven. And so I was like, ah. But yeah, so last week I started on Tuesday and, you know, through Friday. And so this will be my first full week starting now of regular employment in quite a while. So, yep. And so what are you doing? Like computer tech uh, I stuff? Work for, yeah, I work for a managed service provider. So they do mainly dental offices, but there's a couple of like, uh, you know, motorcycle dealerships thrown in. So, I mean, that's been a running gag on this show for almost a decade that Seth needs a job, and now you went and got a job and ruined the joke. How dare you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it was it maybe, but it was I've had. Yeah, I mean, you've been employed yeah. off and on. Yes. Yeah. So I'm more gl- often on. Recently. I'm glad for you, man. You know, gainfully employed is a good thing to be. Yeah, but like I say, I I don't like to getting up early, but you know, <laughs> I guess I had to. So, and you've also stepped. Sit, oh, go ahead, Miles. I was going to say, Seth, do you do you get on the road and? go out to clients and make sure their stuff works that sort of thing um primarily i'm just i'm just like an inbound person now so uh there this company does do that and i might do some of that in the future but mainly i'm in the phones in the phone zone fair enough well i think that's that's probably the future of small business computer consulting now now i mean people don't want to have their own stuff they want someone else to to do it all and and that sounds like a a job of the future to me yeah yeah and we do anything we're basically however much of an it department you want you know do you want somebody who only comes in when it breaks do you want somebody who manages your stuff uh that's kind of we can be whatever I've talked about it before, but my entire job is remote. When I go into the office, I log into a remote server to do my work. So even though I'm housed in a very expensive multi-million dollar office complex, I'm a remote worker. Uh, so that is that is the future. Everything is going to be some version of remote in the very near future if it isn't already. Yep. And you're also apparently a cultural leader of some sort. I mean, we all know that you've been yeah. leading the geek culture for years, but somebody else figured this out? Yeah, well, you know how Starbucks has announced they're going to end disposable straws and stuff like that. I have been refusing straws at drive through windows for years. So I just wanted to point that out for the record that I'm actually ahead of the culture at this point. So all of you reactionaries, you need to catch up and be hashtag woke as I am. <laughs> Sorry. I, I just had wow. to say it that way. We're a, a social justice warrior in the making. <laughs> yep. Um, there's a, a restaurant chain uh, here in Atlanta, Ted's, uh, uh, owned by um, 
Ted Turner, the TNN guy, um, and they do paper straws because environmentally friendly. Or whatever. It's better to kill trees than to use oil, I guess. Um, if you've never drank out of a paper straw, it's kind of an odd experience if you grew up your whole life on that smooth plastic. I understand paper straws were the thing before they were plastics, but it's just a weird experience to drink out of a paper straw. That has nothing to do with this whole conversation, but just thought I'd throw it out there. <laughs> so we talked about the fact that we are Skyping. Actually, we're not even Skyping. We're using Google Hangouts with, with no discernible delay. Of course, there's a delay, but the, the cool thing is that the humans can't notice the delay. You also flew across an ocean and had Wi-Fi the whole time. That is a sign that we're living in the 21st century. Yeah, I've never seen this ever before. Um, and it's been, I, we come back to Australia every July, typically to see my wife's family for a few weeks. And so each year I've tried this out. And, you know, I remember the day, it wasn't that long ago, where there was no such thing as in-flight Wi-Fi. And then when somebody came and invented it, I thought, wow, this is amazing. So, you know, you fork over uh, 10 bucks or whatever to use it. And then you find that it works maybe 10% of the time and the rest of the time it just you know you're in these dead spots well this time on United uh, I decided to buy the $23 package which was an all-day in-flight Wi-Fi experience because it's a you know from flying from San Francisco to Sydney is about a 14-hour flight so I just decided well I'll give it a try and I swear from the point of departure to the point of arrival, I had internet uninterrupted for the whole flight. I've never seen that happen before. I don't know what they're shooting up into the sky in terms of satellites, but man, it's working really well. How was the speed? Well, it was good, but they block purposely anything uh, of high data uh, content. So no, no Netflix, no YouTube, nothing like that. Um, I tried to post... A photograph of the uh, you know the map they give you in the back of the seat that you can see on the screen on a on a flight uh, I f- tried to post, post a photograph of where I was uh, and put it on Twitter and it took two or three tries before a photo up uploaded uh, but as far as downloads um, I was getting emails uh, I get all my text messages through Google Hangouts I was getting all of that web browsing not a problem so I, I can't say it's super fast, certainly better than dial-up. Yeah, that, that sounds like basic 3G-type connection. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful world that we live in. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I, I, I used to like the fact of being, you know, when you're stuck in a plane for a long period of time, you get to switch off, right? You detach yourself from the world. You get to sit and read a book, think, watch a movie, whatever. Um, but it's become difficult when you do the sort of stuff that I do where I'm relying on being notified of, of events on servers or have to deal with a you know a contractor or something on on some topic and you can't and you're literally in the dark for 12 hours or 14 hours that problem's gone away now uh, it's very empowering so yeah flying gets better every day I just wish the seats would get bigger <laughs> yeah people are getting better, bigger why aren't seats getting bigger yeah, really. All right. So uh, my topic for tonight, the, the reason I've called it Goodbye Silence, My Old Friend, I was recently listening to a, uh, a, a audio book, The Collected Works of C.S. Lewis. Um, most people know C.S. Lewis from the Chronicles of Narnia. 
Uh, other people know him as a Christian apologist. He was a an Oxford University uh, professor of uh, literature, um, uh, just a all around really smart guy. Uh, and he the book I was uh, the book I was listening to was a collection of his uh, short stories and essays, things like that. It was about forty hour uh, book, lots of stuff there. And um, I, I find it uh, an aside. I found it interesting that he commonly used French and Latin. Um, just under the assumption that his audience always knew French and Latin, um, which is so not the case for the average American anymore, probably not the average average Oxford student anymore. Uh, but C.S. Lewis died in 1963. So he is in every way a, a uh, product of a different generation, different world, several generations past. Uh, born in, I think, 1898, uh, t- toward the end of the, the, ni- the 1800s, died in 63. And one of the things he was l- lamenting in one of his posts, um, and this probably would have been uh, post-war fifties, maybe certainly before 1963, which is when he died. But uh, but probably even before the space race, just based on the some other things in his writing. And one of the things he was lamenting was the lack of deep thinking uh, in society, as he considered himself a deep thinker, and rightly so, he was a deep thinker. And he likened it to the lack of solitude um in in the world he he talked about how uh society had moved to the point where young students at university and again he was a university professor so these are the people who he was surrounded with all the time um are no longer encouraged to you know go for walks in the woods and to be alone they're always encouraged to be around other people and so um because they're uh, is this lack of time for deep thought the the world was an intellectually inferior place um in his later years than it was in his earlier years it got me to thinking about the modern era take that forward now um 70 years 75 years uh from the time of his death probably 85 years or so from the time he was writing that um there is no such thing as silence anymore Uh, miles you were on a plane for 14 hours and you Mm -hmm. made sure you were connected with the world you were you were tweeting you were facebooking you were emailing um do do you think that it's a is it a good thing or a bad thing that we are so connected all the time and of course the answer is both so i'll phrase the question do you agree with with professor lewis that society as a whole is less i don't want to use the word less intelligent but less learned um and and that there's the shout the the thinking and the education is more shallow because we live in a world where nobody ever has even a few moments of solitude. I, I well, okay. Um, I think I, I think I've come to grips with the reason why that happens, which I separately don't necessarily agree with, but I, I understand it. Um, I think that we're living in a world of high volume uh, and no productivity, no output, no deep thinking, and no creativity. Um, and we see it in, I mean, okay, we, we talk a lot about pop culture and movies and so on. Um, I do remember back in the eighties when there was no such thing as a sequel in a movie. That's a good point. Everything was the first movie, right? Except for Porky's. And you, well, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, airplane or something. Airplane, right? Um, anyway, those, those original movies took a lot of deep thinking, a lot of creative thought, and they came from nothing. Just like C.S. Lewis' stories came from nothing, or Tolkien, 
uh, or or anybody of that. They came out of nothing. It was just imagined with no predecessor. Now we don't have that deep thinking as much, and we've created a a social economy which assumes movie two, three, four, five, six, and however many more Fast and Furious movies they're going to make. I mean, it's it's if that's become an accepted reality uh, in our world, um, it's very hard to come back from that. So, yeah, I agree 100% that we don't think enough, we don't have the silence, we don't have the depth, and we don't have the originality that we had probably 30 years ago. Seth, what are your thoughts? Um, I find myself totally agreeing with C.S. Lewis. The intelligent conversation and wordplay and banter has become a cacophony of crap and you spend all of your time and i plan to use that phrase in this podcast whenever you said the title (laughs) so i just had to get out of the way early but um you know we spend all of our time just regurgitating what other people say we don't take the time like okay there's there is a verse in the bible and pull out a context all this but be still and know that i am god and then it goes on from there you have to stop and take, I mean, it's great that I can talk to miles and he's halfway across the world and he can respy back in real time. And I don't want to lose that ability, but at some time you have to voluntarily unplug and realize you might not, you might be the last person to know that Kim Kardashian took a selfie and posted it online. And really would the world be a better place or a worse place if you were the last one to find out, but we're so afraid to be left out that we don't take the time to think. I mean, I, I, I spend most of my, most of my time unplugged. And so I think about stuff and then I talk to other people and you would think I was speaking a foreign language because they're like, I don't even understand the words coming out of your mouth. And I mean, I'm an East Texan talk, I, talking to another East Texan. So it's not a language barrier, but uh, like it would be if I tried to talk to somebody from New York, I think that there is a huge problem, not with the technology, but with our addiction to the technology and until we voluntarily learn to exercise some self-control what used to be called common sense will more and more be relegated to the uncommon sense until it becomes forgotten knowledge that has to be relearned by some generation in the future because we were too stupid to pass it on all right so let me offer some some counterpoint um, uh, whether I agree with you or not, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but some counterpoint. Um, one of the things I've, I've brought up many times over the years on the show is, uh, an article I read, uh, that was, uh, produced in, I believe it was popular mechanics bad magazine in the 1950s. And it was by the year 2000 X will happen. Um, and one of the predictions, uh, you know, they were looking 50 years in advance or 45 ish, you know, depending on. I don't remember when it was, but I know it was in the 50s. By the year 2000, the average man will work a 20-hour week because mechanism uh, technology will allow him to accomplish the work of a 40-hour week in 20 hours. Now, we I mean, I personally I, I believe that outside of the McJob industry, unless you're saying, would you like fries with that, the 40-hour week is a myth. You're working 45, 50, 60, 70 hours a week at any professional job. Um, but look at what you're accomplishing. If, if you take what we're accomplishing, um, I can accomplish in 
30 minutes what a typesetter in 1950 would have taken 40 hours to do. So popular mechanics actually undershot the mark by saying by the year 2000, you'd be working 20 hours. In certain jobs, uh, it, the spreadsheet took an actuarial table um, and made it, instead of a week's work, uh, 30 minutes work. Um, and, and took uh, you know an amortization schedule. Remember when you used to, uh, well, no, nobody here remembers that. Uh, there was a time when you were calculating the interest on a loan, for example, you would actually have to do the math on, on compounded interest one thing at a time. There wasn't a tool to do that. There was a slide rule, right? Or there was a calculator. So technology has advanced to the point where not only we are working much more, but we're accomplishing exponentially more. Um, uh, squared, cubed, uh, or more what we would have done in the same amount of time. Cannot the same be true of our creativity and thought? Are, are these tools not making us better thinkers, more creative? Uh, I mean, it, doesn't technology have that ability? And why are we um, so quick to say that because we are connected, we aren't thinking? Because have you not sampled the conversation that dominates today's culture? But doesn't every I mean, culture think every every group of old men sits around and whines about the group of young men behind them? That has been true since Adam had children. You know, I was recently going through some of my mom's stuff. And in that, she had a letter, just a random letter that somebody, and I wish I knew who it was, wrote to a, like an his wife at the time and i was just i read the depth of that and because it wasn't because it wasn't something that you texted every five minutes or you know whenever you're across the state or you had a business trip that you were gone for a while you put meaning and you put thought in before you spoke and you didn't feel that it was okay just to puke the first thought that rolled into your head you you did around for a while you you kind of maximize it so that there was feeling and emotion and not LOL, love you, babe, later. And then, you know, L8R because you're too lazy to type out the word later. And then, you know, you miss the depth. And, you know, you read where, you know, you're the kind of woman a man would leave, uh, a king would give up his throne for. You know, you don't see that flying across text messages or post on posted on Facebook very often. And so... I, th I think we're missing something because it is too easy to communicate and we don't take the time to polish our thoughts before we throw them out there. We just throw stuff around and hopefully enough of it will stick to get a point across. I agree with everything you're saying, Seth, but I think there's a, a fundamental undercurrent that sits behind it and that is, uh, I'm going to say, debt is the reason why we've created this world. Um, if you think about, if you had the time, let's say you were, you retired, right? So you no longer, you, you paid your house off, you, you do, don't have to earn money, that you've got some sort of residual money coming in from investments or something like that, and you've got the time. What's the first thing that people, other than travel, the first thing that people retired would think about doing? They might want to write a book. They might want to paint they might want to do pottery. They might want to, in, you know, involve themselves in creative forms, which for the previous 40 years of their working life, they never were able to do it because 
the bank wanted their mortgage, you know, or the student loans had to be paid, or the car loan had to be paid, or the investment accounts had to be funded. <clears throat> when you're living in that world, you don't get the chance to have clear free thought anymore. You're consumed by the treadmill of life. And until that treadmill stops and you get a chance to get off it, if in fact you ever do, do you even get the chance to want to be that creative deep thinker? The problem is by the time you get to that place, you're too old, you're too, you don't have the energy anymore to want to do it. And you prefer to go play golf or, you know, go fishing or something like that, which is not taxing mentally. But and I the, think the that, deep that's thinker, our problem. The deep thinking, Miles, has always been the purview of men with spare change in their pocket, spare time on their calendar, and full bellies. Um, right. The the Thatcher was never a deep thinker. the the cobble uh, uh, the, the cobbler was never a deep thinker. the The blacksmith was never a deep thinker. Deep thinking can only be done when there is a surplus of life's essentials. So I don't think that we're any different now. Um, it, the deep thinking is still uh, the purview of those with a surplus. Now, it's true that we all have a surplus over what we need, but we we define needs very differently these days than mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis did. Well, yes, um, but one of the differences today's society has that maybe the 1963 C.S. Lewis society didn't have is that you know, we're not raising kids who come out of college with a couple of hundred thousand dollars of debt load, and we're not, uh, and we're going in and buying houses that, you know, would cost uh, half a million dollars that in the past were small. And granted, you know, pay, uh, payrolls are lower, uh, were lower in the past, and everything's proportional, I guess. But if you look at the average credit card debt load on a family and the average cost of a loan for an automobile and cost of medical payments and whatever else it's very hard to ever think that you could be a deep thinker when you're having to carry that sort of burden um i don't think that burden level was anywhere near the the ratio of in the 60s for example and hence your point about saying you know the 40 hour work week has turned into the 50 and the 60 um yeah that's proportionate to the debt load that we're all carrying Okay, but I am going to disagree with your premise, Mark, about how the Thatcher and everything wasn't a deep thinker. I think they were because you could back, you know, in the olden days, you could learn a trade in your teens or even in your single digit years and you could do that same thing for your entire life. And after you do something for a few, you know, days, weeks or months or years, then you get to where you can do it and then you have time to think about things, you know. Um, And so but now skills that I learned, you know, 10 years ago are totally opposite. I, I can't have the job I had 10 years ago. You know, I mean, I can't have the job I had five years ago. I have to constantly relearn and reinvent myself to do the same thing I did before. So there one, there isn't the spare brain cycles to deep think that there used to be. Cause I mean, you know, whenever, and so in one sense, the people who say, would you want fries with that? You know, they have a leg up because you know, you can learn to do that job and be brain dead in a week and you can carry on awesome conversations about far ranging topics with people around you while still performing an excellent job. But here you constantly have to learn 
what you have to learn how to do tomorrow's job so you'll be ready for tomorrow because the skills you had yesterday won't get you through. And that's been, I mean, you know, that time is getting compressed and compressed and compressed. And so it's adding more stress to the everyday life. And so that's part of the problem as well. I would say, Seth, that what you described is only true in a handful of occupations, the tech sector obviously being one of them. But if you are, um, you know, the the meaty middle, the the fifty percent of jobs out there, the such as you know, uh, plumbers and uh, house cleaners and secretaries, you know, it's not that hard. Uh, plumbing maybe doesn't belong in that category because there there is a lot of uh, learning there. I intentionally didn't put auto mechanics in there because they they have to learn a lot. But I I would say that it's probably you know forty fifty percent of the jobs don't need that. Maybe I'm wrong. But even if I'm even if I'm not wrong, maybe everybody has to relearn. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't growth? Isn't education? Isn't uh, uh, learning more and new stuff? Isn't that making the human organism better, not worse? I don't know. Is it? It's what well, we tell our children in school. <laughs> oh yeah, we never. They might also be our kids about prioritization. The um, if you prioritize what you choose you want to do as a creative endeavor above what you need for survival and you can be loyal to that that calling then you probably can create a society of deep thinkers and creative original you know playwrights and artists and whatever else and and it will work um I mean, I, I remember back living in Los Angeles, you'd bump into somebody on a road and they and you'd say, well, what do you do? And they say, well, I'm an actor. And the next thing is, oh, really, what restaurant do you wait tables at? Because that was how it worked. You know, you, survival had to be secondary to your calling. And I think what's happened now is we've flipped that 180 degrees where survival is your calling and anything else you do on the side is, is your hobby. And it's very hard to be... Um, a C.S. Lewis level a proficient author when you're doing anything on the side in your garage after you finish work with whatever time you've got left. Uh, if we could flip that dynamic around where your calling is primary and your survival uh, supports that, we might create the, the um, society that he originally enjoyed. But I don't know if we can do that anymore. Well, it sounds now like you've veered into the territory of uh, uh, government funding for the arts. Because, you know, artists need to be supported for the sake of their art. Or or just the choice of an artist to be a, quote, starving artist. And that means to make frugal choices that they, you know, share a, a house with four other people and live on ramen and, and do what they have to do and wait tables to be able to make enough money to support their calling. Um, I don't think there's as much of a willingness anymore to do that sort of thing. Are you familiar with Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs? Oh it's yeah, a, yeah. It's a it's a psycholo- psychology education thing. So it's a it's a five level pyramid. Physiological, you got to have food and shelter first, and then you got to feel safe is the next level safety, and then uh, you got to feel belonging. Love is there, and then you can feel good about yourself. That's the esteem level, and then finally self actualization, becoming the person you were meant to be. Um, I would say that the 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 modern Maslow's hierarchy of needs the the bottom layer the sixth layer is no longer physiological needs but it's wi-fi so there's wi-fi first 
and then physiological needs, then safety. Uh, I, I'm joking, but it's it's almost not a joke. Uh, if you're not connected in this world, you can't survive in this world, which goes back to what I was just talking about, is being connected all the time what's destroying society. So the, the, the world is getting stronger um, you know, as an organism, as you know, humans are living longer, we're, we're bigger, we're stronger, we're faster, but society is crumbling. I would say that's that's see I don't know that I agree with that but that's seems to be the sort of things that you guys are saying and like I say it's not that being connected it's the you know okay a lot of times when you you know you have your shiny new toy that you get and you play 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 with it and then you're like okay and then you know you put it down and go do other stuff and then you come back and play with it for a little bit and put it down and go do other stuff. The problem is we keep treating our connectivity like a shiny new toy and not like that thing that we enjoy with modern. We just, we've obsessed about the connectivity and made what is a good thing into a bad thing because we refuse to regulate ourselves. You know, it's like we've all seen ready player one and the problem wasn't the world that was created. The problem was everybody wanted to live in that world and let their physical world crumble around them. Whereas, you know, hey, I'm going to I'm going to be in it for an hour or two. But then, you know, ooh, you might miss out on the next big thing. So you've always got to be there so you can't miss out. And whereas, you know, hey, if I'm if I'm not first there, it's OK because I'm off doing something else. And so. The problem isn't the, the connectivity. The problem is the over overuse of the mm-hmm. connectivity. I mean, I'm a rational, intelligent, educated human being, and I find it hard to go an hour without checking the notifications on my phone. Just a little double tap, just to check, see what's there. Um, I don't always have to interact with it, but it's really it's it is that rat pushing a button for a pellet. I have to at least look. Um, the weird thing is if i have my phone in my pocket i'm like i gotta pull it out and check but if i put it down in my bedroom and i go you know and i spend the day outside working on the house or you know or whatever i don't care but if it's there i've got to check and so i you know and i think that's part of it too well let me let me throw an idea out Uh, and this uh, to me this kind of joins the dots with all of these points if you're a creative person and you're writing a book, then when your phone dings, it's an annoying distraction that you don't want because it's taking you from what you're doing. But if you're somebody who isn't writing a book, the distraction's welcomed. So at some point, we've all stopped writing the book and we've become addicted to distraction. And what the, the connectivity would be good if you were being notified about something that was crucially important that you needed to be distracted about. But what's happened is we've created a world in which we've become addicted to distraction. And that is an excuse for the reason why we're not there writing the book. And if we could just get back to, hey, we need to be finding our true calling here and doing what we need to do and spending time in silence and solitude to work out who, you know, to be the best me I can be. And not to sit there using the phone's ding as an excuse for me not doing that. If we can embrace that metaphor, I think we'll create a richer society. But right now, we've got zombies sitting around with phones walking into street into poles on the on the road uh, and crashing cars 
because the distraction has become so addictive and all-consuming and they're not out there writing the books anymore. Seth, you looked like you were going to say something. No, I just, no. I just, sorry, well, yeah. After reading Professor Lewis's essay, uh, which again is is very old, um, I, I just made a goal for myself to set aside an hour a week to do nothing, to think, to to have a thinking place. Um, you know, I, if, if, I have a man cave. I, I waited many years to have a man cave. And then when I got one, I filled it full of distractions, big screen, sound system, game system. Um, but what I didn't have is what every, every guy used to have in his study, which was a big comfy thinking chair. So I have made a goal to, to spend an hour a week not focusing on any one thing, just letting my mind wander and, and connect the dots. In uh, probably the four weeks since I've done that, I've been successful at having an hour of uninterrupted thinking time zero times. Um, I have I have not been able to do that. I have had um, a few minutes here and there, but to set aside an hour out of my schedule at a time when I was not already physically exhausted and falling asleep has proven proven to be a daunting task. That, I think, is a problem. I have, I have structured my life incorrectly if I cannot find an hour in a week to sit and think. So it has made me sort of rethink some of my priorities. Um, but I don't know that anything's going to come of it. I don't know that I'm going to be the next great inventor. But, if, but I don't know if I'm not thinking. If I'm always processing input, my default is to be listening to an audiobook or a podcast. At all times, while brushing my teeth at night, I'm listening to an audiobook. While driving, I'm listening to an audiobook. While sitting in my desk working, I have a podcast going in my all day, every day. So to have a moment, uh, a, a dedicated hour of no input is actually really contrary to the way I've configured my life. And so I'm trying to figure out a way to work around that. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's an, an endeavor worth trying. Yeah, you know, two things to what you said. Number one... If, and I'm a lot of the same way, you know, I mean, I try to listen to a lot. And so if I'm always listening and I'm taking in information, I'm never putting it together. I'm not just absorbing, absorbing. And then number two, who has a study anymore? Nobody. I mean, what room in your house are you going to put books and nothing there but for you to study? You know, you you can say, oh, well, I'm just putting a computer in. The yeah, because we all know that all anybody ever does on their computer is study and work and they don't goof off. So, I, you know, that might be the problem is the study has disappeared from life. I, you could always, if you don't have the real estate for that sort of thing, though, you could always go for a walk, but don't take your phone. Right. Right. Or go to the beach or go sit in a field somewhere or just something to get you away from what is distracting you, what has become routine in the distraction. And Mark, if you can achieve this, I I want to know how you do it because I want to do it too. And the one thing that I kind of, um, I miss is the days when, and I, I, I will say this, I don't miss it on this podcast because you guys are deep thinkers and you think about great topics and we always have a great time talking about this stuff. But I don't find that all that often in my day-to-day -day life. 
if I have a conversation with somebody, it's a regurgitation of a news topic they read on, on their newsfeed or a, or a Kardashian moment or a football game or a, these fleeting moments of irrelevance that become the subject of conversation. And yet I want to know who that person is, what's important, what have they learned in their life that can benefit me, what have I learned that I can benefit them. I want that that sort of richer, deeper, better communicating society. And it's really frustrating when you just don't have it anymore. That's actually why I started podcasting was because uh, my friend Sean and I had these great conversations and he used to think, you know, we need to, we need to record these conversations. This is good stuff. Um, and that's, that's where it started. And, and I think that's, um, you know, too many people, if you listen to me, to get your deep conversation, you're part of the problem, right? I appreciate that, but you need to be generating these conversations on your own. Enjoy ours and then go generate yours. Um, find that time. Maybe, maybe an hour's, you know, it's like working out. If I decided tomorrow to go work out for an hour, I would fail. If I decided to, tomorrow to work out for 10 minutes, that's something I could do. So maybe it's, maybe my problem, my, my goal has been uh, too big to begin with. Maybe I should just set aside 10 minutes out on the deck um, you know, once a week and then let that grow into 15 and 20. I don't know. Um, I like the idea of, of just going for a walk. In fact, Lewis mentioned that, you know, a walk in the woods, um, to be inspired by nature. Um, who's inspired by the, your surroundings? Who's inspired by a city street or a highway or the, the 1600th house in your neighborhood that looks like, like all the other houses in your neighborhood? Um, the, we don't live in an inspiring world. Um, Anyway, I thought it was an interesting discussion. It seems to have been an interesting discussion. Um, I'll let you know how I how I turn out, but I wanna I wanna be a deep thinker, and I need to allow myself time to do that. And I and I I challenge you, the listener, and you guys, my co-host, to do the same thing. Any other thoughts before we wrap this up? I, I like that phrase, Miles. The fleeting moments of irrelevance. How many of those are we are we pursuing them? How many of us pursue fleeting moments of irrelevance? I mean, if that yeah. doesn't if that doesn't make you stop and think about your life, even if just for a moment, then maybe you need you need to get some time alone with yourself. And then if you stop and think about it, and you go, you know, no, I really don't do too many of those. Okay, good for you. But if you're somebody and like, I, you know, if you can't even stop and ask yourself that question, then you've got real trouble. Well said. I think that too many people are afraid of being alone because when they find they're alone, they're in poor company. Yep. Now, Seth, what happened this week in history? <laughs> All right, Mark, on a slightly more upbeat note, on July the 17th, 1899, the Nippon Electric Company Limited was established by Kunihiko Iwadari, and that's an East Texan trying to pronounce a Japanese name, so please be gentle. Uh, and you're like, think, big deal, so what? Well, Nippon Electric Company Limited was renamed the NEC Corporation in April of 1983, and if you're in the technology field, perhaps you've heard of them, and it was established in association with the U.S. firm Western Electric Company, which is presently Al Alcatel-Lucent, and this was Japan's first joint venture with foreign capital company. And so one of the cool things is NEC was created with the 
concept of what later grew to be customer service in a lot of ways they were vanguard because it didn't catch on in the Japanese culture until like half a century later. So anyway, Mark, NEC was established this week in history and now back to you. And that is not Nintendo Entertainment Corporation as most people think it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nintendo is totally separate. Um, and Nippon is what what they call Japan. There's a word for that. What the indigenous people call their land. I forget what it is, but uh, we it's call a cool it word, though. We call it Japan because we couldn't say Nippon, apparently. Um, cool stuff. Um, 1890, that company's been around a long time. Yep. And I had to, you know, yeah, you think about that. Technology stuff didn't begin with the integrated circuit. It was around a little bit before then. It was. And now, Seth, what do you have to lower my productivity, thus making you... I can't use that anymore because now you have a job. Thus making our listeners, unemployed listeners, seem like better hiring options. Okay. Well, if you um, need to take just that moment of inspiration to stop washing your car, then you can go to dirtycarart.com and take a look at what this guy has done on the back of windows that have been covered with the dust and dirt of daily life. And there's some really, he's really quite an artist. Um, so anyway, dirtycarart.com and look at what this guy can do with a dirt and he uses just like you know pencils and he'll use like a brush to get that kind of browning grayscale for a black and white equivalent kind of thing dirtycarart.com take a look and be impressed here is somebody who obviously has done a lot of deep thinking in his life <laughs> I, I i find it odd that he finds cars that dirty regularly he must live in a desert area he lives down a country road and so you know country roads in the dry season unpaved driveway type thing you drive down doesn't take long for him to get covered with dirt and you're seeing now you know you can go on the site and look at some of his earlier stuff but obviously his earlier stuff wasn't up to this level of quality but i heard about this uh, on a radio uh, on one of the stations i listened to to and from work and he it kind of the the newscaster interviewed him and he kind of talked about how it came to be yeah so this to me is a great example of the, sort of what miles was getting to an artist must create this guy had no choice the 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 art called to him and the, the medium available to him was dirty cars uh he is true truly an artist there's nothing that i find i must create like that maybe words uh, i i feel that i have to to form words i like to write i like to do that but this guy is a, a great example of if you're an artist if the art is in you it must come out not it will come out it, not it might come out it must even if it's just a dirty window and you, yeah. you just pray there's no rain because this work is brilliant. Yeah. And, you know, and used to, he would just make them. And what made him start taking is somebody was like driving us like, oh, I have to take a picture of that. So and then he's like, oh, well, maybe I should start. But he, he just did it for himself, uh, you know, and then people started to take notice. And then he's does exhibits and stuff now. Cool stuff. 
And now this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can feed back to us, how you can contact us. You can be like Jinda, who is in the chat room right now on the YouTube video. His words are appearing like magic on the video. Um, you could do that by joining us at uh, elementopi.com slash live uh, around about 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on a Sunday night. Or you can go to elementopi.com and click the contact us button at the top of the page. Answer the world's hardest captcha. Fill out the form there, and that will get priority in my inbox as I read your comments first. Or you can dial 559-IMOP, leave us a voicemail on our Google Voice line. Um, I'm interested to know what you think. This was sort of a heady conversation uh, tonight. It may not be of interest to everybody. It's certainly not the, you know, it wasn't tech. It wasn't pop culture. Um, But I'm interested to know what you think. Um, I have a feeling that the old guys and the young guys are going to have different opinions on this. And I would say girls, but let's face it, none of them listen to this show. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm interested to hear um, what the what the differences opinion are. I mean, there are going to be people who are like, yeah, you guys are right on. And that's good. We need to hear that. But there are going to be others who are going to say, you guys suck. Well, okay, tell us why we suck. Uh, if you can. Uh, if you haven't been so dumbed down by the Twitch, envi- uh, Twitch world that you can't form those sentences, um, I'm baiting you. Yes. Um, uh, let us know what you think because I, I I think this is a good conversation. I like having these kind of conversations, but it's it's only limited to us three until you chime in. So let us know what you think. Are we getting dumber because of technology? Let's find out. Seth Miles, any final words of wisdom before we say good night? I do have one. It just it just crossed my mind. Um, Mark Twain once said, "I sat down to write a short letter, but I had to write a long one because it was quicker." So if you think about that in light of our conversation. Yeah, the actual quote is, I apologize for the length of this letter. I didn't have time to write a short one. Fine, whatever. (laughs) I was going to work that in earlier, but the moment moved on. Uh, Miles, g'day to you. Yeah, g'day from tomorrow. (laughs) I'm down here for another week or so, so you'll probably get another dose of Australia coming, uh, coming via your airwaves. All right, that's it, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. Um, if you want to throw money at us, patreon.com slash elementop or elementop.com slash patreon. You could also go to elementop.com slash Amazon. Buy your stuff as you normally do, and we get a little kickback from there. That is the easiest way. That is the most slacktivist way possible to support this show. Buy the stuff you are already going to buy. Just visit our website first, elementopi.com slash Amazon. Um, We appreciate your support, but mostly we appreciate your ears. So uh, thanks for listening, and uh, remember, pay for what you like.